are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. A lot of football talk. Contract signed yesterday. And boy, what it pays to be a quarterback in the NFL. What it doesn't pay to be a running back in the NFL. Something we've talked about for the last week. And a really, really awful story regarding LeBron James' son, Bronny who had to be taken away off the court practice at USC basketball where he's playing his freshman year in this upcoming season due to cardiac arrest. Seems to be stable now, but we will talk about that plus some more stuff, and we'll get to that momentarily. So let's get going with what happened yesterday in the NFL because it is really crazy of how much we've been talking about running backs and how much we've been talking about how running backs are basically not making any money anymore. And you might want to be a quarterback again. Two months ago, Jalen Hurts became the highest paid player in the history of the NFL when he signed a deal. And that deal was for, what, five years, $255 million. Then a couple weeks later, Lamar Jackson signed a five-year, $260 million contract. And then yesterday, Justin Herbert of the Chargers signs a five-year, $262.5 million contract. Joe Burrow's next, and I guarantee his is going to be five years, 265 maybe 270 <laughs> They're just going to keep outdoing each other. Everybody thought it was crazy that two months ago Jalen Hurts was the highest-paid player in the history of the NFL, and he started two years in the NFL. Well, now he's the fourth-highest-paid player two months later, and he hasn't taken a snap since he signed his contract. So this is the way it goes. And look, we've talked about this ad nauseum. The quarterback has the ball in his hands every single play. When a quarterback has a great season – The consensus from the general managers and the consensus from the thoughts around the league is not, oh, he's going to start regressing. If anything, quarterbacks get better with age. Tom Brady obviously did, but he's a very, very big exception because we just never seen what Brady did, winning Super Bowls at 43, 44 years old. But Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs in 2021 and 2022 in his late 30s. You can have uh, Drew Brees putting up 4,500, 5,000-yard seasons in his 30s. Like People expect you to be good, get better when you are that age as a quarterback because everything we know in the NFL is to protect quarterbacks. You know, It's not that far-fetched. Quarterbacks get better with age. Unfortunately, running backs don't. And we all know running backs are basically – working on a completely different schedule and a completely different pay schedule as well than quarterbacks. So mommies, don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. Let them be quarterbacks, based on those numbers that I read. And we've been talking for the last week about, my gosh, what is Saquon Barkley going to do? This guy is the best player on the New York Giants by far. He's probably the second best running back in the NFL. You can argue he's definitely top three. So what did he do yesterday? He signed a one-year deal for $10.1 million 
and his incentives can get him up to, get this, an extra 900000 Justin Herbert signed for five years and $262.5 million. He's never won a playoff game. He's 0-1. I'm, not, I'm just I'm reading off of his statistics, you know, and I'm reading off of his resume. It's not his fault. He's only been in one playoff game, I believe. He's 0-1. I'm just saying, early in your career, he's been a starter for, I think, three years in the NFL, and he's making $262.5 million. Saquon's been in the league. I know he's been hurt, but he's been in the league five years, second in the league in rushing last year, can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's an absolute horse. Tough to bring him down. One of the best running backs in all of football, and he can't get more than $10 million in a season. And the incentives they've tagged onto it are basically nothing as well. Do you see those incentives? 900000 Really? And basically the 900000 in incentives is basically 300000 if he reaches 1,350 rushing yards and a playoff berth. He gets 300000 if he gets 11 touchdowns or more and 300000 if he gets 65 receptions or more. That's what he has to do. He has to put up those numbers just to get an extra little under a million. I mean, you talk about. And the other thing that I just don't understand, I understand this is what he wanted, but this deal does not include a no franchise tag, meaning the Giants can franchise tag him again after this season, and we can be going through all of this again next season. And this is something he was basically wanting. He wanted a franchise. He didn't want the um, to be franchise tagged again, and yet he gave in. Now, there is parts of Saquon that has basically said, like, I, I can't be away from my teammates. This is what I want. This is This is how I want to be. I don't want to be a distraction. I want to be in camp, and I think that's great. But, man, this guy might go out there and set any sort of rushing record you want this year. He's probably not going to. I'm sure he's going to have a good year, a solid year. He might put up those numbers, maybe thirteen to 1,500 yards and 55 to 65 catches and might get him in the playoffs, might not. Who knows? He's going to work his butt off at that price. It, you might be like, Steve, $10 million. Jeez, he's already made almost $40 million in his career. You know, you know, you can't feel sorry. For, look, for the position that he plays and what's going on right now in the NFL and these contracts are flying around, I think it's just you can't compare the NBA and the NFL, really, and you can't compare Major League Baseball to the NFL. But yesterday also in the NBA, Jalen Brown, solid NBA player career highs and points and rebounds last year, shooting percentage. One of the best young players in the league. Signed a five-year, $304 million contract with the Celtics. He's making $60 million a year. Jalen Brown. If you live outside of Boston and you are a casual NBA fan, if Jalen Brown came up and punched you in the face, you wouldn't know who he is. Sorry, you wouldn't. He's a good player. I trust me. I, obviously, I know who he is. I watch a lot of NBA. I'm just, but I'm not an average NBA fan. I'm probably above average with as amount as the amount of NBA games that I watch. I know who Jalen Brown is. I know he's good, but he's now making sixty million dollars a year. 
the best player on the New York Giants, the number one media market in the number one sport in America that's blowing every other sport away in terms of dollars generated, can't make more than $10 million in a season. There's something inherently wrong with that. We've been saying this for a week now. I'm really coming to the conclusion now. I really do think I'm starting to I'm starting to come around on the idea that I told you about a few days ago that I heard Mina Kimes say on ESPN. I really think you might have to start having a separate type of collective bargaining agreement for positional players, especially like running backs, because this is never going to change ever. As long as you sign rookie deals that get you in, that lock you in for four years with a fifth-year option, you could play your ass off for those four or five years, and that team owes you nothing. And after five years, they're going to get rid of you. And no other team is going to come in and give you a four- or five-year contract making you 15 to $20 million a year with a bunch of guaranteed money. It's just not happening. We're seeing it play out right now. Josh Jacobs, leading rusher in the NFL, has not signed yet probably isn't going to sign, and there's a good chance the season is starting and Josh Jacobs will not be in the backfield in game one for the Raiders. It's just not going to happen. I can't see him doing what Saquon did. I don't see it. I'd be surprised if he did. It'd be great if he did. I'm sure the Raiders would love it. But you just see the money being flown around for these players. How about Trayvon Diggs? Cornerback Dallas Cowboys signed a five-year extension that is worth close to $100 million, guaranteed $42.3 million. Yes, it is imperative in the NFL these days to have a shutdown cornerback. I wouldn't call Trayvon a shutdown cornerback. He's not. He's a very good cornerback, but he's not a shutdown cornerback because you can beat him deep. Ask Cowboy fans. As many great plays as he does, he's almost like Trayvon is very feast or famine. He'll make a great interception on you, but he'll also give up a big play. The good definitely outweighs the bad with him for sure, but he's not a shutdown just yet. He's got 17 interceptions in his first three years in the league. That's very, very good. So he was rewarded. I have no problem with Trayvon Diggs making the money he is because that's the going rate for really good cornerbacks in the NFL. And in a league that is a passing league now, we know this, you got to have good cornerbacks or else you are going to get torched. So the money that he's making is basically par for the course. That's There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying is this shows you what teams value nowadays. A cornerback is making $20 million a year. But your running back, I mean, look at this way. Obviously, it would help your defense if he does become a shutdown corner like Dion was back in the day and Daryl Revis when he was in his prime with the Jets. Remember they called him Revis Island because nobody would throw his way? Daryl Revis would get one or two picks a year, not because he wasn't good. Nobody threw at him. Yet he was making millions of dollars when he didn't do anything. He didn't really have to tackle, and he didn't have to really intercept anything because nothing was thrown his way. Maybe... Trayvon Diggs gets to that point. Well, there you are paying $20 million a year to a cornerback who may not be involved in a lot of plays. Who's going to be involved in more plays during the course of a game? Your star running back, one of the top three running backs in the league, or your cornerback? We all know what the answer is. Yet Trayvon's making $20 million a year, and Saquon's fighting to get 10 
with some incentives thrown on it to maybe get him 11 at the end of the year. Tell me how this is fair. But again, what are you going to do? It's like this is the going rate. It's the going rate for quarterbacks. We just read off you, just read off you the last three quarterbacks who have signed this offseason. Hurts at 255, Lamar Jackson 260, Herbert 262 and a half. Joe Burrow's next. He's probably going to be 265, 270. Same exact deal. I mean, you're just slotted at this point. This is the way it goes. This is the going rate. Going rate for cornerbacks that are really good, 15 to 20 million. Going rate for running back, good luck, dude. Here, we'll give you a one-year deal. You literally led us to the playoffs last year. The best player on our team will give you a one-year deal for $10.1 million. And if you hit these benchmarks, which are extremely good for a running back, but certainly not easy, we'll give you an extra 900000 <laughs> It's just, it's almost laughable at this point. So as I mentioned in the open, just a tragic story coming out of USC as we found out yesterday morning that the night before, on Monday night, Bronny James, the oldest son of LeBron James, suffered a cardiac arrest while working out for USC basketball. And he's now in stable condition. They were able to treat him and get him to the hospital. Uh, he's no longer in ICU. Um, and LeBron and his wife thanked uh, the USC medical and athletic staff for their incredible work and dedication Look, we don't know how serious this is in terms of how bad it got. I mean, was he on the verge of death? It was just a DeMar Hamlin situation where they, he literally had died and they brought him back. We don't know. But just hearing that an 18-year-old kid had cardiac arrest, let alone the son of LeBron James, one of the most elite athletes in the history of sports, I mean, it just makes you shake your head because – with anybody who suffers cardiac arrest during a workout, he is now going to be monitored thoroughly, and he's going to have to pass so many tests to get back on the court. Is it possible? Yes. There have been people who have suffered cardiac arrest who have come back to play sports. It's not out of the realm. That's probably the last thing on his mind right now. But, I mean, take Keontae Johnson, for example, played at the University of Florida, Collapsed on the court in a game at Florida State. Three days was in a medically induced coma and then got out of it, had surgery. I can't remember what his exact diagnosis was, but he did collapse on a court before, came back and played. And remember, he was on the Kansas State team that got to the Elite Eight, Elite Eight last year and lost to Florida Atlantic. And now he, um, he still needs to be cleared uh, by contact for NBA. Um, he did not come participate in the draft combine, um, but he was cleared by the NBA, kept his name in the draft, drafted in the second round by Oklahoma City, and he signed a two-way contract. So he's playing. It is possible. It doesn't mean, Le it doesn't mean Bronny's career is over. However, this is going to be handled with kid gloves for sure because how can it not be? This is Bronny James, and this is a lawsuit waiting to happen if that kid ever gets out on the court again and, God forbid, something bad happens, you know. I mean, yeah, there is a – you know, you don't want to, you know, doom and gloom this whole thing, but there is there a possibility that Bronny James never can play basketball again? Absolutely. There is a chance. We don't know what that chance is yet as a public in terms of percentage. Is it a 10% chance he never plays again? 50%? 
Is it more likely he never plays again than does play? Man, but just uh, 18-year-olds are not supposed to suffer cardiac arrest, period. End of story. Just no, not at that age. So once we find out more, does he have a heart disorder that they now have found out? You know, what is it, myocarditis that certainly would affect him going forward? It just so many things, and it's got to be scary, obviously, for the James family. Uh, obviously, Brawny uh, has got to be just scared as well. How can you not be? You, all you can do is hope the best and know that there have been people who have come back from cardiac arrest and continued playing their sport. So there is precedent here. But, man, hearing that story yesterday, that was awful. And finally, if you thought it couldn't get worse for Northwestern sports, it did. <laughs> Northwestern athletic director Derek Gragg wrote a book in 2015 called 40 Days of Direction, Life Lessons from the Talented Ten where one of the titles of his, one of the chapters is titled Women, Our Greatest Distraction. <laughs> and this is the guy that's overseeing Northwestern men's football? Are you kidding me? So he, there's an excerpt from the chapter that his portrayal of women, especially women of color on reality television and music videos, seems to evoke sexist tropes and problematic stereotypes. He said, I often feel sorry for those women, despite the fact they are making a profit from selling out in front of thousands, even millions of people who watch the show each week. There's nothing worse than seeing a beautiful, intelligent woman disrespect herself and those around her. All you have to do is turn on a hip-hop music video or one of the several awful reality television shows to see women degrading themselves, shaking it for cameras and audiences. Music videos portray women as booty-shaking sex kittens or materialistic gold diggers. Many of those women simply do not seem to have a sense of self and who they really are and where they come from at all. However, regardless of what you see and hear, there are very good, upwardly mobile, smart women out there. You probably encounter them every day at school or in the community. He went on to say, I love all the women in my life, but I have found that maintaining my relationships with them can be more than challenging. Therefore, I do not think that I am overstating things or exaggerating when I say that a female is often a male's greatest distraction. So can we start the countdown clock on when this guy's out of a job, especially with what's going on at Northwestern? Do you think this is going to fly in any way, shape, or form? He played wide receiver at Vanderbilt from 88 to 91. He's been in positions of power since then. He's only been Northwestern's AD since 2021. This book came out in 2015. I, this school almost needs to take just the biggest stick of dynamite to their football program and almost start over because there is so much wrong with what's going on over there. Now this comes out. <laughs> I can only imagine what's next. Northwestern. My gosh. I, I just feel like every day we're finding out something new. This is crazy. But Derek Gragg, I'm sorry that women are such a distraction to you. What an idiot. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on uh, Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. That would help the podcast. Thank you all for listening once again. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be 
the greatest reality show on television.